Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. on the power of fasting. Uh, I want to talk about that specifically uh, as we are in this. And for those of you that may need to uh, have a little bit of an understanding of why is it that we do fast. And looking at the model of Jesus, it's important uh, to to see that. Could you give me just a little bit more light in the house? Um, But uh, fasting is something that is not just, well, I don't, there's three things that was listed in Scripture that Jesus said, when you do. And one was when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. So there's three of those that we see, not if you do, but when you do. It's, it's important, it's imperative uh, that, that, we, that we do fast. And now it looks different according to different people. Um, you, some of you may be able to go with a, the ultimate fast is no water, but Esther only could do that for three days, and your body can only go without water for three days. Now, your body can go without food for a pretty good while, but water, it cannot. So it's important that we actually, <laughs> glory of the Lord. That, so we actually make sure that we, we, we pick what it is that God's telling us. You don't just pick a fast. Let me rephrase that. You don't just pick a fast. You pray into it. Ask God, what is it specifically that I need to be doing? How do I need to fast? There's the Daniel diet or consider the Daniel fast where it was certain, uh, certain things. It was a cutting out of, uh, of, uh, of, of meats and it was just fruits and vegetables and things of that nature. Um, and then there is, there is the, the water only fast, obviously. There is uh, different fasts. There's a, Jesus does the 40-day fast and I haven't made it there yet. So <laughs> that, that's one. I, I love food a lot, and i got to be careful because, you know, that's just, it is what it is. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a lot of discipline. But there's a, it's not just the discipline of the body. It's the Spirit of the Lord that's leading you into this. So, um, And, and it, what's interesting is, is that w- when we're in this time of fasting, we, we want to win the war in the Spirit so that the war in the natural throughout the rest of the year, because you're going to fight things, and the struggle is, and the reason why there's so much offense and bitterness and unforgiveness is because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. You understand that, right? There is a spiritual dynamic to the world that you see, uh, and so we, we, that's it's not so necessarily just flesh and blood, but it's, it's uh, principalities, it's spirits, it's things that we don't see in a realm of the spirit that is real. Okay, it's not just because you say, I don't believe in the devil, I don't believe in demons, doesn't make them less real. They are real. Okay, they are real. They come after your family. And so um, I, I believe it's important to make sure that you have a burning life of devotion with uh, reading scripture. And we'll be talking through that this whole year as a focus and an emphasis on discipleship. And discipleship is, is not just a class that you attend. It's a lifestyle of following Jesus, learning how to be a, become an, an apprentice and, and a, a disciplined learner. Disciplined learner. 
and part of those things are spiritual disciplines, or if you want to call them holy habits, that is, it's important for believers to do. Well, I don't want to do the, it doesn't matter what you want to do. If you want to be successful in your journey with the Lord, you're going to learn how to pray and pursue Him, and you're going to go after Him and love Him, put Him first at the forefront of everything that you do. People say, well, it's God first, family second, and my job and everything else third. No, let me just mess that up for a moment. And you may hear it differently, but in my, in my life, it's God first and there is no close second because when I, I can't take God and put him in a, in a specific area. I, I put him first, and because he's first, I do him into every aspect of my life. He's in my marriage. He's in my children, although at times it's a struggle. <laughs> but he's in every aspect of what I do. I can't, and I tell our staff all the time, we don't, you, you can't, you can't uh, have a relationship with ministry and not a, a burning relationship with the Lord. It's him first, and the ministry is just an overflowing, it just overflows. It ought to be that. I mean, all ministry is an overflow of worship. You with me? All ministry, and you're per- everybody in this room, whether you're, you're on staff at a church or you're on staff in the marketplace somewhere, you're ministering in some aspect, all right? So you have a platform. And so it's important to learn the disciplines of prayer and the discipline of fasting, the discipline of giving, the discipline of, of all of these other things that Jesus lays out in Scripture. So it's, and it's, it's pretty interesting as well that whenever we go into a crisis, uh, it's almost like we can hear God so much more clear. A lot of times it's because now he's got your attention. He, I don't believe that he causes sickness. I don't believe it for one thing because you can't find it in the life of Jesus. Y'all have heard me say that a lot of times. And, and, and so I believe that God will use those things to grab your attention. And hey, hey, look, you're walking. And so all of a sudden in crisis, you are repentant. You're, that means you about face and turn towards him. That's what repentance means. So as you about face and turns toward him, in a crisis, you start to hear him more clearly. Because now you can see his face. You can hear his voice and the the closer you draw can I just give a little tidbit I'm not going here in prayer but the reason why many of you've heard me say this before but the reason why God does not scream but he whispers is because he desires nearness he's not going to scream at you when you're out doing whatever you're doing he's going to whisper he, 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 he whispered to Elijah in the still small voice. And majority of the time, that's how he communicates and speaks to his people. So it's important to slow down. And in the midst of when I'm facing crisis, about face towards the Lord and listen to what he's got to say. Because hearing God from, hearing from God moves into our number one priority in a time of crisis. Our nation is in a time of crisis. There, there's a struggle with gender. You heard pastor preaching on Sunday, and I'm so glad that he's bold enough to hit these topics and these things that the church needs to hear. And people beat up on the church and the bride like it's ridiculous. And I I just don't think God appreciates it uh, because there's a lot of people, well, the church this and the church that. Maybe so. But yet, guess what? We're aligning. There is an alignment taking place. There is some things shifting and there's some things moving. But it's right now we're in a crisis in our nation. But until hearing from God is always your first priority, maybe of the day, We will keep living from crisis to crisis to crisis and never learn how to walk through it with grace. Oh, how is it? Oh, it's awful. It's all you you ever talk to those people? Don't look at nobody. Oh, you just don't understand. It's bad. It's you know what? No, I need to be able in those moments, I need to figure out, God, are you calling me to step away from the table? Are you calling me to turn social media? Oh, dear God, don't talk about that. Turn off Facebook and stop fighting with another church down the road or some other person that lives over here, but to shut it all off because it's consuming my time I can tell 
I can tell where your heart of affection is by giving me your phone and your checkbook. And I can tell you exactly. First off, I'm going to look and see how long have you been on your phone and what have you been on it on? So I can tell you. But it's like we have to begin to shift away from the push the stuff away and say, God, I'm not going to fight with so-and-so or this one or that one. I'm going to come to an altar because if I can come to an altar, I'll look to my left and my right and see who's right beside me. That's who I need to battle with. That's who I need to go to war with. Not to sit back and, and, be, and just be a busybody. I don't know why I'm even going here. I need to move on. Um, but it, it's important that we understand living from crisis to crisis is, is, and some people, that's what they do. From one dramatic event to the next. And God doesn't want you to do that. It's important to come away with him. To begin to seek his face. And then find yourself into a place of saying. What do I need to fast? So anyway. Fasting is slowing down. To speed up. And I'll I'll explain. Taking the time to listen to the next set of instructions. That come from the throne of God. Fasting is slowing down. So that you can speed up. And I'll, I'll tell you this. And I, I read this uh, many, I say many years ago. It's probably been about six, seven years ago. I read in a book uh, by a pastor that was talking about fasting. And he talked about that uh, a fasting is, is, is like you, you're sitting down to sharpen your spiritual acts. You're, you're sharpening it. You all, you've heard the story of the lumberjack. Uh, many of you probably have. Uh, the lumberjack that was challenged by the younger lumberjacks. This older, this older man, he was real seasoned, kind of slow walking around, little boat over. But he was challenged by a, young, a younger lumberjack and said, I can cut more trees down than you can. I can chop them down. So they said, well, I'll, I'll take you up on that. So they, they, they start the challenge. And the older gentleman, the first thing he does is he just sits down on a log. And begins to start sharpening his axe. The younger lumberjack, he immediately goes right out. Starts chopping, swinging away, swinging away. He falls one, falls another one. The older lumberjack gets up and starts falling trees. The younger lumberjack just keeps going. He never stops, he never slows down because all he can see is the end. All he can see is the end. And the the older lumberjack, he would fall a couple of trees, sit down, sharpen his axe. And he would just keep at a consistent pace. Not overdoing himself. And by the end of it, the younger lumberjack thought for sure, I've won this thing. But to his surprise, he found out that the older lumberjack had felled more trees than he had. And the younger man said, sir, how did you do that? And he said, well, after every tree that I would fall, I would sit down and sharpen my axe because I knew I doled it up a little bit. And so the younger man was surprised. But that speaks to our spiritual journeys. Fasting is sharpening your spiritual edge. You have to do it. I don't like it. Nobody likes to buffet the body, not buffet the body, but nobody likes to buffet the body. We, we want to do as we want to because guess what? What is this called? Anybody? It's called the flesh. And the flesh should not be in charge of you. The flesh is not to be in charge of you. We don't understand as believers that, that, that Jesus is the, is the Savior of our life. And everybody wants a Savior like Jesus, but they struggle when he has to become Lord because that means he lords over everything. Not just, your, not just you and not just your, the affections of your heart, but he takes over your family. He takes over your finances. He takes over every aspect of your life. So you have to understand that when I come under the Lordship of Christ, I'm a steward. I don't, my life is not my own, as the Apostle Paul said. It's not me, but Christ who lives within me. And it's important to understand that. That's, 
that's where you under, that's how you can understand submission unto Christ. And that when he asks you to do something, it's not a, there's sometimes there's an internal struggle because it's the flesh that you're battling with. So you, you have to bring the flesh under subjection to the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you do that? You fast. You push the plate away. Well, people say, do I need to pray throughout the whole time when I'm fasting? You can pick portions out through the day, but I find myself just throughout the day stopping and just beginning to thank the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. I'll thank him for the blood. I thank Jesus for his I mean, I'm telling I just thanksgiving because gratitude is the attitude you need for greater favor and greater promotion. Doors open through that place. And when you couple it with prayer and thanksgiving, man, it's nitro and glycerin to your spiritual journey with the Lord. You come out more humble. I'm telling you, there's a humbling aspect because you're putting your flesh in its rightful place, which is under under the cross, putting it on the cross. Excuse me, not under, but on the cross. The flesh belongs on the cross. Listen, your sin has been dealt with. Your sin has been covered by the blood of Jesus, but the sinner is still a problem. Excuse me, let me rephrase that. The sinner is, you're not a sinner saved by grace. When you come into the kingdom of God, you're no longer a sinner. You're a son or a daughter in the kingdom. But there's still an issue with the flesh, so the flesh has to go on the cross. That's why the Lord says that you take up your cross daily. You have to take up your cross daily and crucify it. Put it in subjection under the, the authority of Christ. So a well-sharpened axe makes for a lot less work, so the trees will fall faster. A dull axe, more work. The problem is some of us, so many times, we've lost our axe head. We don't even have an axe, we don't even have an axe head on it. We forgot because we're going about doing the way. Well, we just got to do the Christian walk. We got to do the Christian thing. We got to Christian, Christian, Christian. Do you understand that it's okay to be religious? Let me say, religious is a, is a set of things that you do over to get up every morning and pray and seek after God. Sometimes in the church we make religious, well, it's, it's a religious spirit. It's a religious, you can be religious about anything. You can be religious about watching your favorite team every Sunday. Day or every Saturday. It's just a repetition thing. But to be religious in what God's called us to do in the sense of constantly pursuing the face of God, that's important. You, get, you do that on a daily basis. Um, fasting is gaining your spiritual edge so that you can become effective. Now, there's three things and three, three temptations in Scripture that, that, that Jesus went and, and uh, experienced. Understand first that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I don't want to, I want to go there, but I can't go there. I want to talk about wilderness, but I'm not. He was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. And there's two contrasting kingdoms that we, we face on a daily basis. Kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light, right? So that's, that's what we experience on a daily basis. You see it in your jobs. You see it in, in the grocery stores. You see it everywhere that you go. You see people that have their foot in that kingdom and the people that have their foot in this kingdom. So there is two different ones. And this is the place where Jesus, which is the last Adam, as he's listed in Scripture, you know the first Adam fell under these three temptations that I'm about to list tonight. All right? Fasting can help you overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not in your own strength, but through the Holy Spirit, okay? The first Adam, Adam and Eve in the garden, was tempted and they fell. We, we've, we know that uh, through, through the serpent that tempted them and they fell into that sin and partook of the fruit. And then from that moment, humanity fell. We have been deprived, or depraved ever since then. We're fallen, okay? The, the, the natural state of humanity is fallen when they're born into this world. David said, I've been born into sin and shapen into iniquity, correct? So we're born. That's why you don't have to teach your children how to lie whenever they've done something. 
Even adults, you don't have to teach them how to lie. When <laughs> I'm just kidding. I just want to see if you're awake. Some of you are. Um, but you don't have to teach people to steal, to cheat, to do this or to do that. It's just in your nature because you're fallen. There is a void here until the, until the Lord Jesus Christ fills that void. Correct? So in the garden they fell. So since then, they, we needed Jesus to come. And it took all those many years until the Messiah, God robed in flesh, steps foot on the planet and begins to correct and say, I'm going to be perfect, spotless. I'm going to be that lamb that was slain before the very foundation of the world because only he could forgive your sin. Nobody else could. You can't be good enough. You can't give enough. You can't do enough. I don't care what your deeds are. You can, you can give houses and cars and all that stuff away, but you will not find a place in heaven. You can only find a place in heaven through the blood. Of Christ. You can only find it in that place. And so Jesus came, which is listed as the last Adam. Now it's a teaching, okay? I'm getting there, I promise. Jesus comes as the last Adam, and he begins to start walking in the authority of what humanity is supposed to be in. You understand? Jesus is fully God. We're very impressed, but he's also fully man, which means you've got an invitation to come walk this thing with him. He is our elder brother. As Paul calls him. Do you understand that? Which means he is the, the, he's what we look at. He is our example. How do you deal with the sick? That's why we lay hands upon the sick. Because we do it because Jesus did. He is our example. Jesus is baptized. Yes, I have to be baptized. I believe in it. I believe it's a connection and it's a signet ring of intimacy and my dominion with Christ. I believe that. You're buried with him in the waters of baptism. So it's a necessity. And then he shows us in the process of fasting, even the Son of God that knew no sin, fasts and denies himself of food for this 40-day period. And in 1 John 2.16 it says, For all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh. Here it is. You want to know what's in the world? Right here, it's summed up in this. And you can find it under one of the categories in your own personal life. You can, I'm serious. We all, every one of us, you're never going to escape this, okay, until your toes point up and you're, hopefully you're spinning it in, in, in glory, as we call it. So all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And Jesus shows us this power of fasting and denying himself. Now, Matthew 4, 1 through 11, just to walk through this, because you really need to read this, even in the time of fasting, I would encourage you to do this. In Matthew 1, or 4, verses 1 through 11, it's the temptation of Jesus, and it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after he had, after, after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry, of course, <laughs> I mean, why would you not? I mean, after six hours, I'm starving. So, and the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, if, do you understand, when you declare a fast, devils are going to show up. I can't tell you, y'all have heard me tell this story, I can't tell you how many times that the staff... Over the previous years, we have said, okay, we're going to fast for the next three days. Uh, pick your fast, guys. Pray into it, whatever God says. And the thing is, is that on that Monday morning, sausage and biscuits show up. Donuts have showed up. Bless y'all that brought them. We did eventually eat those, but get behind me, Satan. Right? But it's like we declared a fast, and things just, and Miss Linda Johnston's cupcakes show up out of nowhere. We didn't even know where they came from. They just showed up on the, on the cafe bar out there. And so, but it's interesting how that when you do, 
really all hell begins to break loose because the devil doesn't fear that you attend a church. It's important. It's imperative because this is where you get encouraged and edified and built up and comforted. But he doesn't fear when you do those things. He doesn't fear when you lift your hands and worship. What he fears is when you build a consistent, steady, burning flame in the place of prayer and you begin to deny yourself of things that your body desires. You start pushing those things away, the plate, the media stuff that would feed you, uh, all of the jargon and all of the mess. You push those things away because some of those things are not bad. It's, it's just that we do them too much. It's overdone, you know. Uh, so it's, it's we're feeding ourselves of things. And so uh, he he fears that so he'll begin to bring things. Uh, it, you're at odds with certain people and people are saying things and it's just beginning to press your buttons. If you're a hothead, God's trying to work the fruit of the Spirit into your life and teach you self-control and to walk in peace and be patient, love, kindness, gentleness, goodness. All And he's trying and the devil will show up and he'll start pushing those buttons. As you declare that fast. We've declared this fast and I don't even want to talk about mine. I got to get through it first. Pastor Eddie always says, AJ... You don't talk about your stuff when you're walking through it. You wait till you get to the other side. So I got some stuff to tell, Lord willing, if I'll make it through the other side. I will. So anyway, but, but it's in, that's what happens. That's what happens. In our, when you declare a fast, devils short, start showing up. And also, there's always enough truth mixed in with, say, I hate to say it that way. That might, be, that might be wrong to say. He likes to almost make it to where it's like, man, that just sounds right. But it's a lie, Right? And so he'll try his best to make it. Because he said, if you really are the son of God, then turn these stones to bread. Turn it, turn it. If you're the son of God. Well, what did the father speak over Jesus when he baptized him? Whenever, whenever John baptizes him, he says, this, the declaration of the father says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is. Satan says, if you are. If you are, he was trying to tempt him to fall, to step into the first sin, which is called the lust of the flesh. He's, he's hungry, so Jesus, he's starving after 40 days. Fall. Just If you are, all you got to do is turn these stones. You could do it. Yeah, you could do it. So Satan always questions what God declares. You wait. You're writing. Satan always will question what God declares. Now, I don't believe that Satan's coming to your house and dealing with your family, but I believe that his minions, his imps, his ground troops are at work all over the planet. They are. They're here until a believer sees it and says, you have no authority in this house. I declare you have no authority in this house. Do you exercise your right as a son or a daughter through that authority that you've been given? Anyway, so... Jesus is no doubt starving, and when you're fasting, you'll eat things that you typically wouldn't eat. I don't even want to get into that. Um, but, I mean, even a piece of chocolate that is like this much, oh, my goodness. It's like, that'll satisfy me for the rest of the day. It's all I need, just a little bit, just a little bit. Proverbs says to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet because you're starving. Here's the thing with, with a lot of us in America. We're full. We're full on political things. We're full on media. We have so much social media. We have so many distractions. There's so much of the lust of the flesh. Prove yourself. Somebody will put a post on social media, and it's called a thirst trap. It is a sad, sad post that is opening the door to get anyone that will fall right into that trap. Because people are thirsty for likes. They're living for the, for the likes of many and not for the love of one. Come on, are you with me tonight? 
We can't, I'm telling, that's why if, it, if, you're, if you're tempted in any way to want to draw attention in that, you need to shut the door on those things. That is not Christ-like character. Do you think he drew attention to himself? Because he needed attention. No, everything he did, he said, I do because I see my father doing. So as he's fasting, he's battling the lust of the flesh. Because when you're full, get this, when you're full, you, you have an option. When you're starving, you have no options because everything looks good, right? So it's, but it has to be, but when you fast, what happens is the Spirit of the Lord begins to take over. And the discipline of God, I don't know how to explain it, the, the fear of the Lord, the, the reverence and the awe of who God is becomes first place priority. So you begin to prioritize the things that's needed in your life and those relationships, yeah, that need to go, they're gone because, no, I'm honing this thing in. I'm, I'm walking through a wilderness and I'm learning how to listen to that voice of one. And I've got to eliminate the lust of the flesh. You struggle with the lust of the flesh where, where maybe it's the lust of uh, it's sexual temptations and things of that nature. Go on a fast. I, I don't. I really want to dive into some of that stuff tonight, but I'm not going to. If you you want to, you want to begin to deal with some of those things. I've prayed about it, Pastor. I've counseled about it, Pastor. Have you fasted about it? Have you come down to an altar and said, God, I'm going on a fast and I need the grace of the Lord to help me walk through it because I need to see the lust. Pornography, i got to see it go. i got to make sure those, uh, get rid, I've got to get rid of these things. They've got to go because they're affecting my marriage, affecting the way that I look at a woman. Or the way that, I, if you're a woman, the way that you look at a man and affecting your marriage. I've got to deal with these things because it's not righteous living. I'll get on. So how long has it been since you've deprived yourself of worldly desires and set aside, set yourself aside for the work of Jesus. Really? You, I'm not radical, I'm preaching scripture. What is it that's the sins that have been besetting you, but on the flip hand of it, what are the things that are just simply weights that are affecting your journey and making you less effective? What are the things that are dulling your acts because you feel like they're important to do? But they're not, they're just added weights into your world. That your flesh longs for and loves. Adam and Eve saw that the tree was good for food. They saw it. They, they, they saw it. So where they failed in the garden with the lust of the flesh, guess what? Jesus comes along and he overcomes the first one. So yeah, you can too. He said, be of good cheer because what? I've overcome the world, you can too. It's not done in your own strength, obviously. Verse 4, it says that, just moving on, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, Matthew's gospel says every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So when you begin to fast, I'm telling you, your spirit becomes sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit. If you're a believer and the Spirit of God lives inside of you, you become sensitive to His voice. It's almost like, man, you don't want to stop and end your fast because by the end of it, you're like, there's just so, such a nearness. I feel I, I can just come into worship, and all of a sudden, I, I get with the body of Christ. I'm telling y'all, by, by this thing, I'll be a mess. I'll be a blubber, and I just weep. I cry. That's why, I mean, I'll I just be on, I'm sorry. And maybe it's not, I believe it's manly, but anyway, I, I weep. The presence of God unravels me. I'm telling you, I believe when we, I think the reason why we become unraveled, side note, in the presence of the Lord is because first off is your body can't physically withstand the full weight of His glory. I pray for it as much as I can have. God, let me have it. Let Pour your presence out. But, but that's why I become unraveled because it's just joy. It's peace. 
When, you, when you've struggled within yourself mentally and emotionally and struggled in certain areas of your life and the presence of God comes and there's just this healing rain. I don't know how to explain it. Just the presence of the Lord. It just unravels you and all you can do is weep because he's so good. And people, like, no, no, they have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible and they're missing the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, the Bible, yeah, no. The, it's God the Holy Spirit. He's supernatural. I get it. We read about him. I believe everything about the scripture is true. But there has to be an encounter with the author. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says that the Bible is, has the only author that when you read it, he shows up. <laughs> He's the only author that's written and, and written that book that he will show up when you start reading it. So you're not reading just a historical context of things that's happened in the past. You can't read it in that way. You have to read it as in this is going to happen in my life today. It can still happen today. He can talk to me like he did with them back then. He can show up the way that he did in the upper room. He can move like he did with in Acts chapter 3 when, when, John, uh, 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 when Peter and John are on their way to the temple and they see a man lame by the door. And they, he says, hey, alms, give me alms. They said, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. That, those things are still happening today. And I, Because I've seen it. You've come too late. But fasting begins to put the flesh in a proper place, denies it, puts it down, so that the Spirit of the Lord can walk in boldness and courage and strength so you can accomplish those things. Not of your own strength. It's through the Holy Spirit. You're either walking in the preceding word of what God spoke yesterday, or you're walking in the proceeding word of what he's speaking today. Now, let me clarify. As I fast, I hear his voice more clearly. There's things God spoke to me uh, back in 2011 that I'm starting to see a fulfillment of today. Those are things that was the preceding word. But now God's given new things. Now, people say, was well, this something new? According? No, no, no. I mean, it's according to Scripture. God speaks. And he's not going to tell me anything opposite of what the scripture says, okay? So he's still speaking. Um, he's not going to tell me. Uh, I had someone one time that, that asked me, because we were talking about, uh, you know, sacrificing, giving yourself to the Lord. And this person literally didn't know scripture. And maybe you're here tonight. You, maybe you don't know. And that's okay. We're, we want you to grow in it. But progress in it. The more you read, the more you'll understand because by the Spirit. But this, this lady asked me, and they're not, there's no, they're not here, uh, moved off to another place. But she said, Pastor, I got a question. She said, am I going to have to sacrifice my son on an altar? And I said, oh, no, 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 no. She said, well, I just know I've heard the story. Uh, and, and we kind of giggle at that, but they just don't know. But the, the story of Abraham, you know, when Abraham takes Isaac, puts him on the altar. And here's what I want to say on the other side of that. That's the importance of hearing the proceeding word. If Abraham had stopped listening to the voice of God and just got the preceding word, he would have killed his son. Now, God would have raised him, but he would have missed the proceeding word. Fasting prepares you for the fresh rhema spoken word of the Lord. It prepares your flesh to begin to withstand where you hear God speak and you begin to follow. So, preceding means he has spoken. Proceeding means that he is speaking and he's still doing both. All right? The second thing, verses 5 through 7, when you read this story here in Matthew, is you see that in verse 5 it says that the devil took him along into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the highest point of the temple. 
And he said to him, if you are, there he goes again, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down for it's written. He'll give his angels uh, orders and charge concerning you. And in their hands, they'll lift you up. So if you fall, they're going to catch you. And they're not going to let you strike your foot against the stone. They're going to protect you. The second thing is the pride of life. The pride of life. Adam and Eve are hit with the same temptation. A tree desirable to make one wise. There's your temptation. The pride of life. We have a lot of knowledge in our culture. True? Some of you in this room, you're so intelligent. You've, been, you've got a Ph.D., uh, maybe you don't have a PhD, it's a school of hard knocks, and you just know a lot of stuff. You have knowledge, but the Bible says that wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get it. What is wisdom? It's knowledge applied rightly. Okay? So why am I throwing this in in this whole process? Because Jesus is demonstrating to us as he begins to reply back to Satan, he says... Um, On the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And for us, the way that you test God is through arrogance. He can't stand it. He actually hates it. Read Proverbs. It talks about that he cannot stand the arrogance. He can't stand the prideful. He looks for those that are that comes before him. That he, you know, Jesus himself didn't come to, to be served. He came to serve and give his life as a ransom. And so you may have more degrees than a thermometer but you you have a knowledge that's all you have but you don't have any wisdom so you don't know how to apply what you truly do know that's why on a daily basis you've got to pray God give me wisdom so I know how to apply what I rightly know I don't want to be puffed up I'm not a know-it-all I want to be a learn-it-all teach me let me lead me teach me how I'm supposed to do so that that's for us that's important because pride begins to lead to entitlement and dear God have we not seen that in our nation Entitlement. Well, this this is mine. Well, you haven't worked for it. You haven't done anything for it, but yet we're supposed to hand it over to you. I think in terms of what God has blessed my wife and I with in this campus, I, I'm telling you, when I pray, it's the most humbling thing um, that, that, I, that I think about. God, you have blessed us. We didn't ask for this, but you blessed us and gave us a congregation, gave us a church that prays for us, that loves us. You've given us, a, a, I didn't ask for ministry, you led me into it. And, and, I, and when I look at all of that, I, I'm humbled by the fact of that, man, this is just, to me, it's the highest calling that I could ever have in my life. So I, you could be puffed up, you could be whatever, because you look around and you see your community, and, and we're able to pour so much finance into our community, but also all over the world, just this campus specifically. I look how blessed we are, we're debt-free, all of these things. We have an incredible uh, group of people, we're growing, all of those things. I could easily be puffed up. But I understand that pride goes before destruction and a haughty, arrogant spirit before a fall. And I'm going to keep myself on my face and understand that whatever promotion comes our way and in this house, it comes from him. And I will not allow the pride of life to take hold of my eye. I don't want to be the, the most look like the most fulfilled person but stand on the stage and feel so empty, so alone. I would rather succeed in my marriage and in my family than in the ministry. Whatever happens, it's fine. I don't want want the pride of life taking root in any area of my life. And so all of us, that's where we have to function from. I want you to see a real AJ. I don't want to, I want you to see an imposter. I don't want you to see somebody that wears a mask. We got to remove the mask so that pride can't take root because pride hides behind a mask. It does. I'm telling you. It'll mask itself and people can see it. You may think that you hide it, but you don't. 
You can't hide that. Verses 8 through 11. And this is where I'll, I'll, I'll end. But verses 8 through 11 says, Again, the devil took him on a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms. Again, I'm going to read this again. Again, the devil took him on an exceedingly high mountain. Again, the devil took him to the mountain. Think about it. The devil takes him to the top. Not the father. The enemy takes the enemy and promotes him to the top. I'll let you think on that for just a moment. And it says, And showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, All of these things I will give you if you fall down and worship. Now understand, because of Adam and Eve fell in the garden, there was a forfeiting of authority that man was supposed to have in the Garden of Eden. They were placed in a garden in an area called Eden to grow, cultivate the ground, multiply, reproduce, expand, and keep expanding that until it covers the planet. So the whole planet is governed by man submitted under the the, the Father. Because your first... Your first, the scripture where we see the first thing that God gives a command to, to man to do is let them have dominion. He didn't say let them worship me. He says let them have dominion. So he's not going to lord over you. He's not going to make you do anything. He's looking for a heart that yields to him, that submits to him, and allows the spirit of God to lead the man's heart or the woman's heart. That's what he looks for. And he wanted that to expand and go all over the earth until the earth is ruled by man who was ruled by God. You got it? I know it's Wednesday. I'm trying. I'll, I'll land it. So they fall. We understand that whole process. And that the keys of death, hell, and the grave and, and over the planet are forfeited. All the way up until Jesus comes. And then that's when Jesus, when he resurrects, he comes to his disciples and he said, All what? All authority has been given to me. Look, guys, I've got the keys back. Let's get back to plan A, which is expanding my rule and my reign upon the planet. It's a fallen world. That's why bad things happen to good people, because it's a fallen world. Okay? Don't, don't blame God for these. There's, Satan is the God of this world, but he's not the God of me or you, if you're a believer. But that's why we experience what we do. So he's given us keys back to do the thing. And so verses 8 through 11, the devil takes Jesus to the very top of the mountain and begins to present him with a third temptation, which is the lust of the eyes. Look, Jesus, I'll give you all of this because it belonged to him at the time. I'll give you all of this, but all you need to do is just worship me. So in other words, you can bypass the cross, and you can bypass all of the painful torment that you're going to experience and the, the, the torment of the Father turning his back on the Son, that he's never had an un, a broken communion with the Father. In a moment, it's going to happen. In a moment, and you don't have to experience any of this. Yet Jesus begins to again hit him with the written word, and he said to him, Go away, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and began to minister to him. The lust of the eyes. What is it that you're looking at right now? Is there a specific job promotion? Is it a specific relationship that has your eyes? 
What is it that you focus the majority of your time on that right now, if you would just say, Pastor, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm fasting. I'm going to go into it. And, I'm, and just watch what begins to happen with your affections and your heart's desires of things that you lock eyes with. I, listen, we've had people that, uh, that have said, uh, Pastor AJ, I feel like that we're, we're supposed to uh, you know, move in different directions, move away from here and go here. And they say, I just feel this. I'm like, well, my question, did, did God speak that to you? Did God say? I really do. I believe, I believe that God is calling you to move or go somewhere else. Even a job. He'll confirm it. He will. I believe that he will. But I don't think that God is going to uproot you and plant you somewhere where there's not a healthy, uh, uh, where, where there's not healthy churches and healthy believers that can surround you and walk with you in the journey. I don't believe that. There's no paycheck enough that would cost you your family. There's no pay. There, there's not a, a job. There's not a a, a a vacation spot that will not become a vacation spot when you move there. Good enough that would remove me from where God says you need to be. I, y'all have heard me say this. If you curse where you are, or excuse me, if you don't, if you curse where you are, you've already cursed where God where you think you're trying to go. Well, I don't want to go there. I, I I can't stand this place. So I'm just no. So you started cursing where you're at. You can't. God can't bless where He's trying to take you if that's the case. You with me? So when I fast, I bring my will under submission to the Holy Spirit. It's the greatest humbling act of surrender that you could do before the Lord. God, I'm bringing my desires because my eyes are looking and sit. Y'all have heard, some of you heard my testimony of where I felt like the Lord was speaking. It wasn't even what he was speaking to us. I had made up my own will. I'm moving to here because I know that's where God's wanting us to go. And it wasn't even the case at all. The series of circumstances happened, and I was madder than a hornet. I'll just tell you. I want to say some other stuff, but I can't, I can't say that. I, people wouldn't come back. I'd be too real on that. I was frustrated, really mad, because I thought that our direction was going a specific way, but God had never had that intended. But it's important that when you step in to do what God's called you to do, listen to me, hear this. If you don't hear anything else, get this. It's important that whenever you put aside and say, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done, you, I believe you got to do it with a right heart. I don't believe you do it, nevertheless, God, whatever you want. I don't believe that. I believe that God looks at the heart. Now, does he embrace it? Yeah, because he's bigger than your emotions, right? He's bigger than who you are. He's God. But I believe that it's whenever you can bring yourself. That's why I do get on my knees at times and lay on my face and pray. Because I, I humble my body. I bring it before God. I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to lay myself before you because I need my flesh to be laid out. God, nevertheless, and try to say that with the right heart. That the heart is aligning itself with the will of God. So that I am in complete submission, not just in my spirit, but in my mind, will, and emotions. But also in my physical body that I am laying myself down with him and I'm saying nevertheless not my will whatever it is that you desire fasting will deal with the lust of the eyes here in this particular setting of scripture I said well ago I read it to you three or four different times it's very interesting that it was not God the father that took Jesus and elevated him to the mountaintop, the proverbial mountaintop. Some of us have been in places of promotion and it wasn't God that promoted you. I'll wait. Some of us have been offered promotions. 
Well, now, Pastor AJ, I just thought every good and perfect gift comes down from God. It does. Sometimes God's silence has been your breakthrough and blessing and not you stepping in because he knows you want it so bad. He understands that, but guess what? So does the enemy. He understands you you want it so bad, and he knows if you get whatever it is, he can take you straight to the mountaintop as well. But Jesus, in that moment, overcame the enemy with the word of the Lord again. And guess what? The enemy left him and the angels came. So I'm telling you that it may not be God that, has, that is offering you and dangling something great right in front of you right now. It may be good, but it may not be God. I'm just saying. It may look good. It may smell good. Have you ran that dream? Have you ran that word? Have you ran that vision? Have you ran that whatever? Have you run it through a thus saith a who? Have you ran it through a voice of counsel? A wise Christian believer that's not going to tell you what you want to hear, but they that, uh, tell you, uh, come into agreement with you and not be a yes man, but will tell you, wait, wait a second. This, this looks a little bit fishy. Something about this doesn't line up. But when you fast, there is a discernment, there is a sensitivity, again, to the voice of the Lord and to Holy Spirit that you bring yourself into a place of where you're like, God, I, I just want whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want. Well, guess what? The enemy's going to show up and give you something that you want, and God's going to be like, all right, let's just see what happens. And so he'll watch. I believe that he empowers you. He's already spoken. We just have to yield to it and submit to it. Last Last little quote here, phrase, fasting, denying the self, denying self, dethrones the rule of our demanding fleshly appetites so that we can be, that we can more easily follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. As I fast, as I begin to deny myself, I will dethrone things that are seated upon my emotions I'll go through a process, and all of a sudden, there is such a vulnerability in the presence of God. There's a transparency before Him. You'll begin to tell God things that you never thought that you would open up and talk about. Because you're vulnerable. Or as Mike Todd says, you're hot. You're humble, you're open, and you're transparent in God's presence. And that's how you got to live. You want to be real? You want to be authentic? You want to be genuine? You want to be one of those? Hey, we've seen too many of those in churches. People say, I hate going to church. There's too many hypocrites. It's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I'm sure they're in every church. But let it be said about you that you yielded, you submitted. You said, God, whatever you want, but put your money where your mouth is. Deny yourself of your flesh. Fast, pray, and let God start directing your steps. Hey, stand to your feet for just a moment. Whoever's coming. I want to uh, pray for those of you. I'm going to do this. We used to do this in old church. I'm going to put you on the spot. How many of you are fasting? I'm not looking. I'm just kidding. I'm going to look. All of you that are. And for those of you that maybe tonight, it's not too late. Start with us. We want you to join in. We need you to join in. This region, we're not, we're not a church for our people only. We're a regional church. 
God wants revival in the region. He wants souls changed and transformed in the region. He wants healthy marriage. People say, well, Pastor, what does revival look like? Look at Jesus. He's walking revival. That's who he is. We want revival in our region. We need revival for our region. We need to see marriages whole, put back together. We need to see people saved, set free, and delivered. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see restoration on a grand level. I want to see this sick healed. I want to see those that are struggling with with cancer healed. But it's going to take a whole tribe. It's going to take all of us. So I want to pray over you. And if you would remain standing, Sarah has got a a baptism. But I just want you to extend your hands out in front of you. I want to pray over you right now. Father, for every voice or for every person in this room that is sitting under the sound of my voice, I'm asking you for grace. Grace is that favor you give us that as the whole of the ministry, even as our apostolic headship and our bishop, Pastor Eddie, we do this every year at the beginning. Let this not be just a a religious action that we do at the beginning of the year. But Lord, 2023, let this be a year that is, I mean, transformative and powerful. I pray for greater grace upon our lives. God, to fast these 21 days and to pray and seek the face of God like we've never done. Let hearts come out of that wilderness place of fasting on fire because the scripture says that Jesus went in to the wilderness led by the Spirit and came out with the Spirit's power. So God, we're going to come out in the Spirit's power and we're going to see uh, uh, the war in the Spirit won over this year. Families, restoration. Come on, if, if you know people, listen, I, I, I'm, I've been praying for families. I'll just tell you, broken families, struggling families, marriages, because the devil wants to divide your marriage. He wants to destroy your marriage. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for singles, that God would send you the right spouse and that you're not seeking for that, but God just aligns you with them and brings them into your life. Father, I pray over the family. I pray for restoration. I plead the blood of Jesus over marriages. Give them grace to fast these 21 days and to pray. And when they come out, it's going to be greater than they've ever seen it. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.